Cotney Attorneys and Consultants is dedicated to helping the construction industry with legal, business, and safety challenges. Welcome to this week's episode of Law and Mortar with John Kenny and Trent Cotney. Hey, this is Trent Cotney, CEO of Cotney Attorneys and Consultants, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Law and Mortar. As always, I've got my partner in crime here, John Kenny. John, how are you doing? Absolutely fantastic today, and hope everybody out there is doing the same. So for those of you that don't know, John is serves as CEO of our consulting company and wears a lot of different hats. But in addition, uh, John has a significant amount of uh, history knowledge when it comes to both roofing and construction. So some of the questions that we're going to go through today, John, we're going to talk about sort of your experiences in the past on the contractor side, what kind of the, some of the things that you dealt with. And the first topic I want to talk about today is OSHA. Um, we anticipated, and I know you and I have talked about it, but we both anticipated that under the Biden administration that there would be increased rulemaking, that there would be a lot more guidance, that it would be a lot more stringent when it came to contractors. And I don't think we've seen that to date. That's not unexpected because I think you still got to get the players in place on the top mm -hmm. level before you start seeing that. But what was interesting is that OSHA came out this week and they said, look, if you are mandating vaccines and your employees are getting um, side effects from those vaccines, you no longer have to report them on your OSHA logs, okay? And to me, John, this is just more evidence of uh, federal incentives pushing everyone to try to get vaccinated. It's kind of where I'm seeing this is, you know, we first saw it with the CDC where they said, you know, hey, um, in certain places, most places you don't have to wear a, uh, a mask if you're vaccinated. And we saw private businesses pick that up. I think this is just yet another indication that they're really pushing uh, vaccination. So, you know, what caught your eye with regard to that? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that assessment completely. Um, also too, there's a lot of uh, newer contracts coming out and different facilities. And I'm sure you're gonna see it in a lot of the horizontal construction coming through. Vaccination is gonna be mandatory with these projects, right? So I think, again, it kind of makes sense that if you're going to be pushing the vaccine program and you're going to have construction get hit hard with it, which is going to eventually at some point, it makes sense not to penalize you know, one government agency pushing and one government agency penalizing. So, yeah, I think this was more of a strategic move to over, you know, to hook into the entire let's get vaccinated program. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we'll, we'll continue to see numbers creep up. Um, you know, one of the things that concerns me is that we're in summer right now. So I think people have kind of, you know, they're sort of a, they're kind of complacent right now. I, I think it's going to get worse once we get, um, you know, closer to winter. Uh, so, you know, clearly we, I'm hoping we get some of those rates up just, uh, you know, um, so that by the, when the time comes, if for some reason we get variants or other things, then, you know, it's, it's not another shutdown type scenario. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think one thing, if we even learned anything through this pandemic, the best thing I can say we've all had to learn is expect the unexpected. And I'm not talking about just spikes in, in, uh, in, in, in cases, everything, you know, close downs here, not here, over here. It, it's been crazy, well, 18 months, I guess now, pretty close to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think we'll we're, it's not over yet. I think we will continue to see some stuff. You know, when I look overseas in India and elsewhere, Brazil, um, still having a significant amount of problems. I'm still concerned about variants and, you know, who knows where we're going to be this time next year. So, 
Next thing I want to talk to you about, John, is the success of your estimating program. You know, I, I um, first got to tell you, it is absolutely amazing, you know, from a production standpoint, um, as someone that obviously is, is not good at math and not, not an estimator, but looking at it from some, you know, just viewing the production value, the videos, the transitions, it is very high level. And um, the sales have been tremendous, uh, far exceeded my expectations. I'm sure you'd say the same. Um, but what's interesting is kind of what you got in the works coming up with the advanced course that's coming out. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so when we put this together, and again, that goes to, yes, sales have been great, and I've done some inter, you know consultations myself with uh, larger companies interested in buying multiple modulars, and one of the things we talked about, they're like, okay, what do I get out of this? So I just want to touch on this real quick. So this one training that's out now that, that's beginner to intermediate, that one, when we designed that, and I put that together, that was to get people to be able to estimate that may have never done it before. Like you said, you looked at all the math and everything that's in there, or if you've been doing it a little bit, or if you're a takeoff type of estimator, this gives you that skill level to be ready to jump into what we want to call a senior, uh, junior, senior estimating role, right? That's what that is. So now what we have coming out is an advanced estimating course. So the skills are all taught in the intermediate. This gives you the other skills that you need, um, how to deal with the clients, how to put your proposal together, understanding a little more overhead allocations and how they get done, uh, handoff packages, how to work with operations, how to you know, analyze the job after it's done to get your historical data. These are things that are going to be able to really excel uh, the career of an estimator, but at the same time, it's going to be a profit builder for the company they're working for because you're going to raise the level up of your department. So that's what we got coming out. We're probably, it'll launch in June. Um, you know, we're close. It's in production right now. All, all the hard work is done. Well, I shouldn't say that. All the work to build it is done. Now it's getting produced. That's a lot of hard work in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kudos to you and the consulting team. They've done you know, a tremendous job and, and getting everything together, not just the production itself, but the marketing and everything. It's, it is, you guys are moving light speed because I know there's just a huge demand out there. So, um, you know, great job on that. I'm really looking forward to not just this training that's coming up, but a lot of the other stuff that, uh, you know, we'll talk about maybe in, a, in a, another episode of Law & Mortar that you got in the works. So yep. really looking forward to that. So John, I want to mention something else to you. You know, we get phone calls all the time. I mean, I, I joke around a lot of what I do is what I call business therapy, where um, contractors will call me, they've got a, an issue and they need an answer. And basically, I'm there to solve their problems, whatever it is, that's my job, right? So we get calls, obviously, about construction related issues, employment related issues. But you know, recently, I got a call about an immigration issue. And it was kind of unique. And I thought it was worth mentioning to the listeners. And this was a scenario where uh, they were working on a, on a project that required E-Verify. Okay? They are not in a state that mandates E-Verify, and they otherwise did not have it in their business. And the question was that was asked to us was whether or not you have to E-Verify all of your employees or just the crew that's going to work on that. So it's actually a really very interesting issue once you start getting into it. And the analysis is, it's more of an employment analysis than it is an immigration analysis. So if there is a contract that's out there, and I want the listeners to pay attention to this part, if there's a contract that requires that you have your people E-verified, 
that is much different than you saying all of your employees have to be verified. Okay, there is the difference there. So if you are saying all of your employees need to be verified and you don't do it for someone, then you've got disparate treatment. And you guys have heard me say before that anytime you're treating one employee different than another, that's when you get in trouble. Okay, so, but if you just have a crew that's working on a job that needs to be verified, there's no issue with just e-verifying that crew because it is a contractual requirement. What I like to do is backfill that with some documentation, explain that's what the reason is, that this is not, you know, an employer mandate system-wide, this is just for this contract. And um, that is usually not, nothing excuses your um, still continued maintenance of your I-9s, regardless of whether you're e-verifying or not, you still have to obtain I-9s, you still have to go through the backup documentation process, you still have to cross your T's and dot your I's when it comes to that. The only thing that's different here is that if there's a contractual obligation for e-verify, you don't have to do it to every single one of your employees. So that is a nuance that a lot of people aren't real familiar with. It's interesting because we're actually going to be talking about this subject and a lot more, Ben Briggs and I at uh, IRE. So Looking forward to talking about that here in August. But John, you know, what's been your experience with uh, with E-Verify and the jobs that required it? Yeah, I've been on both sides of the fence. I've worked in uh, areas where the entire company's been E-Verified right from employment up. And you're correct. That is something that if you are using or mandating in your company, it's across the board. And that includes admin, staff, everybody. You can't pick or choose or you, or you will be running over to the attorney side of the firm and needing some help. I've also been on it where we've had um, e-verification in the company and go on a project and they still have to be re-verified for that project, right? Because it's a contractual obligation. I've also been on it, just what you said, same thing, working in industry where it was not an e-verify policy in the company, but you could pick your crew to go and get e-verified for that particular project. Also been involved on both sides with the I-9 audits. There's a lot of companies and you have to be careful when you sign on to these contractual agreements. Some of them at the end say before final payment or somewhere in the, through this process, you're going to have to supply I-9 audits to, you know, to the person you're working for. So there's a lot of these little hidden gems in these contracts. You really need to go through them. Yeah, absolutely. It can be complicated and uh, parsing through that in advance, you know, being proactive rather than reactive is something that I always say repeatedly, you don't, to the extent that you can avoid getting on this side of the company, the legal side, you always want to do that unless you, you have a question or you want to be proactive, avoid the disputes if you can. So, John, as you know, we like to end with a question. I've got a stack here, uh, but this is one that I thought in particular is probably worth talking about because we had something similar happen this week. So this question is from Linda. And the question is a general question, you know, what do we think about doing mediation and disputes early on in um, litigation? And uh, and she gives a scenario here where she's got an issue with a prime contractor, and there's a clause that requires it. Um, But I'll take that first from from legal, you know, I'm always a big believer that if you can try to resolve things, the sooner the better. Um, and the reason is, is that oftentimes when you're going into litigation, you run the risk of making the cure worse than the disease. Um, there's obviously a financial component to litigating, right? You have to be able to carry the cost. And again, no one likes lawyers. I get that. But, you know, it's you have to pay lawyer bills, expert bills, cost, everything that's associated with that. So there's a carrying cost. 
but then there's your time that's associated with disputes. So what I like to do is, is I recommend doing mediations early on um, because even if you don't necessarily settle the, the case, and for those of you that don't know what mediation is, let me take a step back. Mediation is an opportunity for you to meet with the other side. You've got a third party mediator that comes in. It's all confidential. It's not binding. So if you don't settle it, it's no harm, no foul, right? So if for some reason you don't settle it, what I like about it, John, is that I get access to all their information, right? They're going to tell me what their argument is in advance of me having to litigate it. And yes, it's confidential, but if they say so-and-so, you know, plumber down the street has this information, well, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to send that plumber a subpoena when I'm done. And, you know, I've just gotten a bunch of free discovery. So I, I like mediations because it really gives me an opportunity to understand what their arguments are. And again, if I can settle a case and it's for the benefit of the client, then I'll do that. Got absolutely no problem. Enjoy, love going to war. You know, we'll go to trial arbitration any day of the week, but at the end of the day, it's always what is best for the client. And that requires cost benefit analysis. So John, you know, you, you have, you know, in your time with contractors, you've obviously seen a variety of disputes. You know, when you, what are some general sort of rules of thumb that you kind of go by when you get into disputes, especially with prime contractors on jobs? Yeah, I've always been of the mindset, kind of take it in reverse. If you, to go automatically to jump into high gear and run up to, I'm going to litigate, we're going to sue, we're going to go to court. To me, unless it, this is just my opinion, I always lived by this rule and it worked very well throughout my career unless it's actually going to be the ultimate death blow to your company to try to settle this out, it's never, it never seems to pay. But says you brought up a great point, the time. I know throughout my career, I've been stuck on litigation with time over five years. It just never goes away, right? Sometimes eventually it does, but it's a lot of your own time. I always like to do it in the early stages. And Trent, you know, knowing me for as many years as you had when I was on the contracting side, may call for advice, say, here's what I got. This is what I'm planning on doing, you know, make sure we're good. But the best thing to do is if you can settle that immediately while you're still on site or are fairly new when the contract, you know, when the contract closes out, anything you can do to make all parties happy, sign off and close that book is the best way of going. Then of course, I think second best would be, you know, the, the mediation route, because then you get a chance you're going to, everyone's going to lose. No one's going to totally win. But it's probably the most fair process, you know, I've been involved in. Usually to me, going to that final step of litigation, you're that's a craps table in Vegas. You're really throwing and the dice are usually always loaded against you. So that's been my role throughout the years in operational. Yeah, and I think that's sound advice. You know, it, it is, it's always a last resort, and that's what it should be, is you know, you try to get things resolved, you try to do the right thing. Um, you know, even if it means putting it behind you. Um, but yeah, that's clearly something that that when I'm giving advice to a client, you know, customer, I'm making sure that we go through that cost benefit analysis and that they fully understand, you know, what's what's to come. So, John, we have talked about a lot of different things on this episode. Uh, I've got a lot more topics, but I'm going to save them for next time. So um, I want to thank all of our listeners. We really appreciate you guys making us the number one construction construction law podcast in the States. Appreciate that. Um, also want to let you guys know that uh, if you tune in next week, we're going to have some great stories. So please make sure to tune in any questions for me, please feel free to reach out tcotney at cottonycl.com. John, how can they get you? That's Jay Kenny at cottonycl.com. 
All right. Thank you, guys. Stay tuned next week. Thank you. See you next week.